Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Genesis chapter 12 verses 1. The Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and to a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Somebody shout hallelujah. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he had departed of Haran, right? And so Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and we went forth into the land of Canaan, and to the land of Canaan they came. And so the Bible says, and the Lord passed through the land, and to the place of Sishem, and the plain of Moreh, and the Canaanite was then in the land, and the Lord appeared unto Abraham, and said, unto thy seed will I give thee this land, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him, and he removed him from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Hai on the east, and there he builded an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. But now the Bible says, and Abraham journeyed going still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land. Somebody shout hallelujah. He said there was a famine in the land. And Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. God appears to a man. And tells him, leave your kinfolk. Leave your family. Leave your tribe. Leave your color. Leave everything and everybody you know. Go to a land I will show thee. And the Bible says, and Abraham went by faith. Hebrews tell us by faith he went. He did not know where he was going, but God had spoken. Because when God speaks to you, you must have enough confidence to make the first step. And trust that he's guiding you. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's the power of the imputed righteousness. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. That's why you must understand righteousness as a gift. Because it's the only guarantee of you being led by God when you make that step in front of you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Righteousness is not a doctrine. It's more than that. It is a life lived by men who know God. That's why he says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. It's important that he has imputed righteousness firstly on that man. Steps of a righteous, a good man, are ordered of the Lord. Now, he goes by faith as the Lord leads him. And as he goes out, the Lord takes him to the land and he tells him, this land shall be for an inheritance. But the Bible says, but the Canaanites were there. And the place of inheritance, he goes through Bethel, settles there, goes through Hai, and then now he goes to the south. In the very peripherals of where God had ordained him to be inheritance. Of course like many people, when God tells you I'm leading you to a land, there's expectations. There's expectations. 
I can imagine where God is leading me. I can imagine what he is saying to me. I can imagine if God tells you, go to a place I will show you. There are many things you start to imagine in your head. Oh my God, silver and gold is there. The streets are, are shining. The lights are all there. It looks this, it looks that, it looks like this. So this is the man, this is Abraham. Put yourself in his shoes. It's like God telling you, I'm going to take you to a job that I know is your inheritance. And then you go to that job. Of course you go with imaginations. Because you know like the scripture says that all good and perfect gifts come from the Lord. You go with a certain understanding of what this place must look like. Who is understanding what I'm saying? And so he was with our father Abraham. Of course when God tells you go to a land I will show you. Certain ideas come to your head. How does this land look like? I think there is no digging. I think there is nothing like suffering. I think it's all perfect. It's green. You imagine many things. Many, many things. Many things. So he gets there. And the Bible says, as he journeys south, there is a famine. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, if you're weak in faith, if you're still a baby, if you're immature in the way of the spirit, many things start to run into your mind. When you get to a place and find things against, oh, did I hear God? If it was God, why is there a famine? Did I hear God? If it was God, why is the very job that he told me enter? Is the very thing stressing me? Is the very thing frustrating me? It's even worse than where I was. Because scripturally there was no history of Abraham lacking in his father's household. If there was, then it's not written in scripture. But a great famine comes where God has sent the man. Famine. There was a great famine. Great famine. In the place where God has ordained him. The testations come in the place where God has called the minister. The trouble comes where God spoke to you to go. And then you ask yourself, of course many questions are, but is God in this? You understand? It reminds of the story of Paul. <laughs> you remember the time when they have shipwreck and then they land on the island of Malta? What did this funny guy start saying? He started saying, ah. When the viper clings on the man's hand, they're like, you mean you survived the waters? And now the viper is, oh my God, there has to be something on you. Who is understanding what I'm saying? We just heard that you survived the sea. Because you all know, water just doesn't kill men. There's a spiritual thing there. Go to the days of Jonah. When the water starts raging, somebody says, uh, 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 somebody must have wronged the gods. And when the guy comes through and they throw him in the water, the water comes down when the big fish takes over. This is a man running away from divine purpose. But now, years later, this is a man in the perfect will of God. He's on a ship. And he gets shipwrecked. Right? Crashes and people are floating on wood. I can imagine that. And then they go offshore on the island of Malta. And the moment you cross, you are already a prisoner. Right? And a viper fastens itself on the man's hand. And now people start saying, we told you. We, we told you. You see? We told you. The Bible says they say the mangas themselves. No doubt this man is a murderer. 
See, he escaped the sea. And yet vengeance suffered him not to live. Look, it has pursued him on dry ground. See, some of you are going through things. Eh? And there are people who don't know God. And when they look at you, they think you're gone. You must have committed some unpardonable sin. You must have wronged God a certain way. I can imagine Abraham with his family, right? I feel sorry for Sarah. God has told me. But I wish he appeared to me too. Don't worry my wife. Follow me. God has spoken. And then famine hits them. With everybody that has gone with him. And man. And Satan has a way. He has a way. And this is where the unhealthy compromise comes from. The Bible says. That when famine hit the land. And it was grievous. What did Abraham do? It came to pass when he had come near, he entered into Egypt. Do you see that? He left where God had called him. Because famine had come. And what did Abraham do? He went into Egypt. Where God had not called him. Famine drew him there. And because the unhealthy compromise was clear... And was working out of divine purpose and will. What happened? He has to concoct a human idea to save himself. Suddenly sin is conceived in his soul. And before we know it, he's telling Sarah, you know you're beautiful. If these guys look at you, they'll kill me and take you over. Tell them you're my sister. The man of God is caused to lie. He has a kernel he gets a carnal intervention. He, he gets a, a, a fleshly idea. He, he contradicts his conviction and finds himself telling a lie to survive and have food in Egypt. He submits himself to the Egyptian because he needs food. See, if God has given you a land of inheritance and a famine comes, what are you supposed to do? Is it possible for him to let you die in the land he called you? Is it possible for him to let you faint in the victory he has given you? You remember the story of Elijah? Elijah kills, he kills Philistines with a jawbone of an ass, right? You remember? He put forth his hand and he slew a thousand men with it. God had given him victory. And the Bible says, after that, Samson, the Bible says, he became hungry. After slaying a thousand people. Victory. Immediately after victory, the man becomes hungry to a place where he's almost dying. The Bible says, it came to pass when he had made an end speaking. He cast away the jawbone out of his hand and called that place Ramaphlea. Lehi or something like that. And he was so thirsty and he called on the Lord and asked him the question that I want to ask you. Has thou given me this great deliverance into the hand, sorry, has thou given this great deliverance into the, the hand of thy servant and now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? Have you given me victory over this that now I should die under the hand of the uncircumcised because I'm thirsty? And find myself going there telling them I'm thirsty or kill me or something. Or them attacking me because I'm weak. I don't have anything to put in my stomach. No. He's not the God who gives you victory over the hand of a Philistine to allow you to die of thirst. 
He didn't ordain you to die. He did not take you into that marriage to fail. He didn't start that ministry in you to fail. He didn't take you to school so you'll die there. He did not put you into that business for it to collapse. No. He is not the God who allows a woman to conceive and she does not bring forth. That is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Somebody shout hallelujah. And that is the good news. That it doesn't matter what you go through. Are you called by God? It doesn't matter what you go through. Are you a child of God? He says, ye are of God, little children. And ye have overcome the world. Because greater is he that is in thee than he that is in the world. Put your hand on your head and say, I cannot fail. I don't fail. Yes. God has not brought you this far for you to die in Canaan. He's not ordained you to die in the place of your inheritance. So that's how I know that you will live long. Because he has put too much in you. That's how I know that you have a long life with him. Because he has invested too much in you. To whom much is given, much is required. And so I need time to explore what God requires of me. I need time. There's a lady I know. She came to my office a couple of weeks ago. This is from your apostle. I need to know what God called me to be. I need to know my calling. And I told her, you know what, my dear? I see the calling upon your life. It's great. But when I look ahead in your life, I don't think it's important for you to know that right now. What's important for you is to do what you can. Be faithful in the little. You still have a long life. God won't phase you out before you finish. That very week she got into a border border accident. There were three people on the border border. Two died. She lived. Why? Because God is not finished. You will not die on sudden deaths. I decree it in the mighty name of Jesus. Unless you don't know who you are. But he says your days on earth shall be full. He says you shall go to your grave full of age like a stock of wheat in its season. Oh, I have to live a long life to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and to fulfill what he has ordained in my life to be. Tell your neighbor not yet, sir. Somebody shout hallelujah. Was God going to let Abraham die in the place of his inheritance? No. But Abraham did not know the way. So he settled for the path of this resistance. And then he gave himself to carnality and submitted himself to those that had food. Abraham was not broke, but he did not have food. And Satan does that all the time. That when men are standing in their places of inheritance, he seeks for a way to subject them to the Egyptian. Egyptian represents carnality. Egyptian represents of the flesh. Egyptian represents of the workings of men. Men are not your source and neither are they your solution. If they are of help, God will bring them to you. But he went to Egypt. The next thing we know, he has to lie to eat food. They say hitting on Sarah. 
because she's a sister. And they were plagued. And Pharaoh tells him, look, you should have told us. Now, well, we almost died. Why didn't you tell us the truth? For sure, we don't know what would have happened if Abraham talked the truth. We don't even know whether he, he was right to lie or not. But you see, when you walk out of the place God has ordained you, you find yourself in unhealthy compromise. Where did Hagar come from? Wasn't she Egyptian? Hello? God tells the man, I will give you children. Your seed shall inherit the earth. And waiting over many years later, he sees nothing. What does he do? Human effort to fulfill the promise of God. Sarah tells him, go into my maid Hagar. And what does the man of God do? He goes into Hagar. I'm sorry, Father Abraham. You understand? Oh no, these things are for our learning. You won't take offense. Are you following what I'm saying? But this girl was an Egyptian. This is the spirit. This is what they call the Egyptian spirit. The thing that yields men to human effort to fulfill the promises of God. The thing that causes you to apply human effort to fulfill the promise of God. He told you I will bless you. You received that blessing. You went into that job and got that job. But once in a while, you find yourself conforming and doing Things that you know are not quite right. But you know he's the one who sent you there. And sometimes you find yourself in other places. Because you need the fulfillment of the promise that he spoke on your life. Here's the good news. When God promises full circle, he will fulfill. Tell your neighbor, he will fulfill. Believe God. Believe God. He found himself lying. And the same spirit, years later, comes on our father Isaac. Genesis 26 verses 1. That generation of Abraham passes. And the same spirit is after our father Isaac. Verses 26 says, and there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And what happens? Abraham, I'm sorry, and Isaac went unto Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, unto Gerah. He turned to the king of the Philistines in Gerah. And what happened? Again, the same thing that befell his father is the same thing befalling him. He has to tell Rebekah, lie to them that you're not my wife, but my sister. Same thing. Same thing. Are you following what I'm saying? And true to form, they believed him. But the scriptures tell us, one time, <laughs> Abimelech saw Isaac fondling Rebekah. He said, wait, wait. Wait, 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 He said, I feared you'd kill me. He said, I feared you'd kill me. He went to Abimelech. He went to Abimelech in Gerah. He submitted himself to another king 
because of food. And reasonably, he was right. But revelationally, he was not true. They had to send him away. We're talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Genesis 42. Verse 1. No, I'll probably you'll begin with 41 maybe. In the last verses of 41, the Bible speaks to us of how famine hit the whole world. And that's what leads us to Genesis 42. And the Bible tells us, in the same way, the famine was all over the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine worked so in the land of what? Egypt. Next thing we know again, now Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt. And Jacob said to his sons, why do you look upon one another? And the Bible says, he said unto them, behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence and that we may live and not die. Again, the same thing drives them out of their ordained dwelling and takes them to the Egyptian for food. And people think that these things are repeated. There are three famines with our fathers and you think it's a coincidence? There's some God is trying to tell you and I. Because famine is a representative of many things and I'm going to come to that to the spiritual man. Hallelujah somebody. Genesis 43 verses 31 tells us later on they now relate with Joseph and Joseph he is their brother, so he has to eat with them. The Bible says he washed his face and went out and restraining himself said, let dinner be served. And the servant set out the food for Joseph by himself and for his brothers by themselves and for those Egyptians who ate with him by themselves according to the Egyptian custom not to eat food with the Hebrews for that is an abomination to the Egyptian. Not only did they go for food in Egypt, it was already an abomination in Egyptian culture to eat with a Hebrew. That means according to the Egyptian, the Hebrew was of a dumb class. He was of a lower story. He, he was a, the Hebrew man was something loathed. The Hebrew spirit was an arcing thing. And here we are, the father of the faith has famine in his land. The very land God has called him. And what do we see? They now go and their sons go. They were not poor. They had money. They had money. That's why he says go to Egypt and buy. They, they were not poor people. But even with all that money, they did not have food. And there was a reason why famine hit all these three generations. And God intended that this be recorded in scripture for you and I for your learning. Now imagine a circumstance where the sons of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the sons of Jacob go to people who loathe them. People who look at them like they're filthy. Who look at them as scum. They can transact with them but they cannot even eat with them. The Hebrew went to the Egyptian like a submitted survivor. Not one with a covenant with God. What led to such a situation? How could God make Pharaoh dream and the son of God not dream? How could Pharaoh dream 
and prepared for a harvest for the Egyptian to eat food. And this dream is not in the quarter of Jacob's house. The one with whom God has a covenant. Ask yourself, why is it that in the time when Pharaoh dreams, God gets the dreamer from the house of Jacob and through Potiphar's house, the prison, the cell and everything, lands him in the prison. He, he is a prisoner to the Egyptian, waiting for a day to interpret the dream of the Egyptian. So Egypt would have enough food for the Jew, the Hebrew boy, boys to come for food to the Egyptian. There's a problem. Because you don't go on the same level. You go on a lower level. Who is understanding what I'm saying? And it so happened. But God had told Abraham. He had told him in Genesis. Verses, chapter 15 verses 13. He said unto Abraham. No of a surety. That thy seed shall be a stranger. In a land that is not theirs. And shall serve them. And they shall afflict them for 400 years. But the scripture is clear. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward they shall come out with great substance. It's the same thing. When Abraham leaves uh, what the Pharaoh, Egyptian's house, Pharaoh for, for, from Egypt. The Bible says Abraham increased, was increased. Oh, he was rich in livestock in everything that he needed. When, when Isaac leaves Abimelech, the scriptures tell us that he planted crops and he increased in livestock, in sheep and animals. Even in their bondage, it still says they'll come out with great substance. So the problem is not finances. The problem is not financial liberty. No. They are enslaved even when they are rich. Because this is not a money issue. It's a food issue. Who is understanding what I'm saying? No. Read your Bible. Read your Bible in Genesis. When Abraham leaves the Egyptian, right? Genesis 13, 1. He says, and Abraham went out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the south. And Abraham, listen, even with the lack of food, the Bible says he was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. He wasn't a broke fellow. But there was something that was held from the patriarch. Food. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now go again to to the time of Isaac, right? When we're talking about it. Again, you realize that when, when Abimelech sends them going, right? The Bible says the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. So greatness was not a problem. Wealth was not a problem. Even the children of Israel, 400 years in bondage, still there was something in them that was making them richer, even while they were slaves. But how did the children of Israel get into bondage 400 years? It was an issue of food. It was a famine issue. How? Because they go looking for food. They find Joseph. Joseph is the connection. And the next thing we know, it was a better and safer place to live in Egypt, considering the state of Joseph. And what happens? They walk out of where God has ordained them to be. Because of food. And the Bible says, and a time comes when a king arose, who knew not Joseph? Because that time comes. For those of you who stake your salvation on certain men, 
That if they're not in the holy place, you're not there. That if they don't pray, you're not going to pray. Oh, I feel sorry for you. You have a personal relationship with God. But a time comes when a new king over Egypt comes and he doesn't know Apostle Grace. He doesn't know that man of God who has to speak in your life. The time has gone, he's gone. He's done his own part. Joseph had left and they were still clinging on the anointing of this one man. Man, Joseph was anointed. For you to leave the earth and many years later, they're still drinking on your glory. And the Bible says that time comes and a certain king comes in Egypt and he knew not Joseph. How did God phase out the name of Joseph? We don't know how, but it was deliberate and now they have a problem. They can no longer use Joseph for a pass. You understand what I'm saying? You can no longer use that name that you used to use for you to enter. You must enter because you know God. You must exist because you must you know God. You must increase because you know God for yourself. See, it's easier if I have Fanero and then somehow I raise a son out there and then, you know, one time as I'm leaving, I leave an anointing on this fellow and then he continues serving. But it's another thing if this boy should find God for himself. And that's why I tell men of God, don't, don't confuse your children to thinking that your experience with God is theirs. Even when you have everything in the world, tell them this is me and my God. Find your own. Find your own. Raise mantles in your own households. Don't raise spoiled boys. Like Eli. The Bible says, Eli's boys knew not the Lord. They did that which was not pleasing before God. And what happens? That whole generation died. Because Eli thought that because they are his sons, they are automatically judges. <laughs> they are automatically priestly. They are automatically entitled because they are his children. The assumption that because your son is your son and you're a man of God, you're a pastor, therefore it means that your son will serve the Lord. Uh-uh. No. I have to. The Lord was talking to me about it the other day. Solomon, David bought everything for the temple. He got all the gold. He got everything that needed to be built. And he gave it to his son. And he told him how to build. And the boy builds this magnificent building for God. And after bringing in that magnificent building, he goes and brings foreign gods into the same building. David would never have done that. David would not have done that. He would not have done that. David would not have done that. The man who loved God that way could not have done that. But there was something Solomon was not introduced to. He carried the wisdom and understanding to rule men. His hand was taught to war, but he was never taught the place of meeting God, the place of worship and understanding God for who he is. Pastors, sons and daughters, you must find God for yourselves. Our responsibility as men of God is to make it easy for them. So make it easy for them. But they have to find their own God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Can we go a bit deeper? Now, we're at a state where the patriarchs are all exposed to a famine that causes them to intervene 
with human effort to fulfill the promise of God and now men become both their source and solution. And God foresees it in Abraham and tells him, look, one day it will become so good that they will be taken into captivity 400 years. By the time they come out, they don't even know that they are Jews. Their minds have been brainwashed. They have, they have breastfed from that indifference and their genes have adopted into that understanding of food and food. That even when Moses leads them out of Egypt into taking them into the promised land, they say, oh, we miss the watermelons, the leeks, the lemons, the onions, and the meat thereof. You see, their brain is food. Food! But are you understanding what I'm saying? It became food. And it became food. And it became food. Let me show you a mystery. In Daniel chapter 1. Verse 3. We're talking about the Hebrew boys. You remember them. We'll probably begin from verse 1. The Bible says, the third year of the reign of Joachim, the king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and took Jerusalem and besieged it. And when he besieges Jerusalem, right, Jerusalem, he takes over Jerusalem, the Lord gave Joachim, the king of Judah, into his hand, and which part of the vessel of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shina, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure of the house of his God. And the king spake unto Aspenas, the master of his eunuchs, and said that he should bring a certain children of, the, of Israel, a certain children, a certain children, a certain of the children. That means they were, they, they were not interested in everybody. There was a certain kind of Israel they were looking for. And the Bible says, we want of the king's seed and of the princes. And the next verse says, children in whom is no blemish, who are well favored, and the Bible says, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom, one, they might teach learning the tongue of the Chaldeans. That's the first thing. That when they get this seed, they have to change its language and give it another tongue. Because even so, the second language comes with a certain revelation. Up to today, the gospel is preserved because it has a second language. Who is understanding what I'm saying? Certain things are best described in the original language. Translations are good. But certain things are best revealed in the original language. How many of you understand that? They changed their language. That's number one. And number two, and the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat. Food comes in again. And of the wine which he drank. So nourishing them, the Bible says, for three years, that at the end thereof, they will stand before the king. They will serve another God. If you change their names, give them a new language, and give them another meal, they will submit themselves to that king and serve after three years. You look at them and they will not look like the children of Israel anymore. And what happens? When they go to Egypt, what happens? Of course, they are going to eat Pharaoh's food. Of course, some of their names are going to be changed because of their masters. And of course, their language will change because their children will be raised in the households of Egyptian masters. 
And the next thing you know, they are of the promise. They are blessed of the promise. But their language is different. Their food, the food has changed them. And their names start changing. So they go with a blessing and start serving Pharaoh. Hey, they go blessed and start serving foreign gods without knowing it. And then they look at themselves after years and they start to feel used by the system. They feel they are feeding something that keeps growing but they themselves don't grow. They are working in businesses that are prospering but they themselves are not prospering. But yet those businesses are prospering because of them. Because they carry the blessing. Who is understanding what I'm saying? Laban knew it. He was blessed because of the blessing that was on Jacob. You know that you are blessed to be a blessing. He says, in thy seed shall all the earth be blessed. That means Satan knows that all you need is this particular seed. Give it another kind of food. Change its language. Give it another name. It will serve you. You'll prosper because of its hand. But it will not prosper because it is submitted to you. That's why I tell people three hours are enough to change a man's mind totally into another nature. If you've been in a ministry for three years and you've not yet changed, you have a big, big problem. Or else then, you have changed for something else that you do not know. Three hours are enough to orient a man into anything. Anything, I mean anything. If you're three years in this gospel and your life has not changed, I want you to know you have changed for something else. You just don't know it. Somebody shout hallelujah. And now we have the challenge. That the men of this world, the things of this world are prospering on the hand of the children of God. But because their purpose is not hemmed in the mind of God, it serves to please pagan and secular foundations. The children of God are prospering the world. And the world is prospering, but yet now bringing the decimation of the very gospel, the very relationship and foundation with which these very sons of God stand from and stand in to receive and walk in blessing. Who is understanding what I'm saying? So, we have a very unequal system on the face of the earth now. It's almost as though the heads are not Christianity. You understand? The leaders are not Christians. They're, yet the foundation is the gospel. There are nations that, whose foundation is the gospel. But they've gone ahead to take advantage of the blessing that they have received because of the relationship their forefathers had. And now they're using these foundations for vice and destruction to promote ungodly stuff. But which sweat and blood and prayer was it? A certain man who knew God. And that has to change. We cannot plant vineyards and need or not eat thereof. We cannot build houses and not live therein. And our children cannot be snatched from under us. If, who is understanding what I'm trying to say? If Jacob existed now, he would tell you what I'm trying to tell you. That if we knew the things you know now, our children would not have gone in bondage for 400 years. 
Imagine if those generations had stayed in the place of inheritance and developed the place of inheritance with their science, with their knowledge, with their wisdom, with their skill and the anointing. How much more would Canaan look like for a place of inheritance? Go to present day Canaan and look at it. The sons of the blessing were scattered. Yet that's the very seed that is scattered across the world and bringing the successes of all of this nation. These are sons of Abraham, whether you want it or not. Whether you're talking of the Ishmael line or the Isaac, they're still sons of Abraham. They still something on their lives. But now they're prospering and profiting the world. And that is happening every day. That even as Christians are getting jobs and running careers and running this business and doing all these kinds of things, still in the end of the day, the Egyptian is succeeding. And the child of God stays normal. That has to change in the mighty name of Jesus. So God brings the understanding. He tells them in the last day, the famine will come too. Amos 8, 11. Who is understanding what I'm saying? He says, be told the days come, said the Lord, that I will send a famine again in the land. Not a famine of bread or a thirst of water, but of the hearing of the words of God. He, oh, God knew that it cannot continue becoming a constant famine. Physical famine. I have to change it now. For the sake of the church, let me create a famine for the word. Man shall not live by bread alone. It became food. David says, I desired your word. More than what? Necessary food. Who is understand what I'm saying? And this is the generation, somebody. Shout hallelujah. This is the generation that is desiring God more than necessary food. That wants the word of God more than anything you could ever give them. Those times have come back when men will gather and be hungry for the word. The rain will hit them. They will sit in the open air. They will move kilometers. Tune and spend every amount of money. Why? Because the hunger of the faith and the famine of the word is here. Tell your neighbor the famine of the word is here. And any man who knows the word will feed many. Oh, oh, any man who knows the word, he will feed many. He says, The lips of the righteous will feed many. You might not be on the pulpit like me, but even at your workplace, know the word. Be a good engineer, but with the word. Hallelujah. Be a good doctor. We need the science, but with the word. Hallelujah. Be a wonderful pilot, but with the word. Be a good, what? What do you want to call it? Administrator, but with the word. Hallelujah. Be a good TV presenter, but with the word. With the word. Now the feminists come. There was a time in Uganda it was impossible to have so many here gathered for the word. People were gathering for things that were like looking like witchcraft. But now people can get their pens and books and paper and listen to the word of God. And 
You think they've had enough and the next day they are still hungry. They come back the next Thursday. They come back the next Thursday. The chairs increase. Men are hungry. He says that it shall be a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And he says they shall wander from sea to sea, from north even to the east. They shall run to, to seek the word of the Lord and they shall not find. And he says, and young virgins shall faint for thirst. And God says in that time, instead of turning to Egypt, the church will give solutions. When everything is failing, they listen to you and you start making sense. Oh, oh, oh. When everything outside is crumbling, they will listen to our gospel and believe our God. They'll fly nations to nations. You'll see planes coming, men coming from foreign lands. No, they're just coming to attend service and hear of your God. He says, Gentiles shall come to your light. Kings shall come to your rising. And strangers will serve you. Somebody say the word is coming up. The word of God is rising. The word of God is available. And it's in me. I become the light that attracts those that need it. I am the food for the hungry because the word of God is in my spirit. That is why I tell us if you've been reading the word read the word. Hallelujah. If you've been studying the word study the word. Hallelujah. If you've been listening to the word listen to the word because the famine is here. And guess what? You have the Holy Ghost. He says, he shall teach you all things. Ezekiel chapter 36, 24. He says, for I will take you from among the nations and gather you out of all the countries and bring you to your own land. Somebody shout hallelujah. Then I will sprinkle clean water. How do you sprinkle the word? The Bible says, for I've cleansed you by the word. I've cleansed you by the word. So it says, I'll sprinkle. Oh, I'll sprinkle. I'll sprinkle water on your word. I'll give you revelation. And the Bible says, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And I will cleanse you. And a new heart will I give you. A new spirit I will put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of the flesh heart. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And the Bible says, and I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And the Bible says, and you shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers. And you shall be my people. And I will be your God. And I will save you from all uncleanliness. And I will call for the corn. I will call. You won't go for it. No, I will call for it. You won't go to Egypt for it. No. I will call for the corn and I will increase it and I will lay no famine upon you. That means when the world is suffering of famine because of the world, God will make sure that you're fully supplied. Hallelujah. When the world is looking for corn, God will make sure that you have more than enough. Watch them come.
That is why we preach present truth. That is why we preach the word of his grace. That is why we preach the sanctification of the spirit unto obedience. That is why we preach the righteousness of God that is imputed through faith. That is why we preach the finished work of Christ at the cross at Calvary. That you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. That you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. These are the things men are fasting for. Things men are hungering for. The feminists in the world. God is simply telling us, church, preach the true gospel. They will come. Pastors, we don't need to manipulate men. Pastors, we don't need to tweak and twist their hands and ask them for money and, and, and promise them things that are not existent and, and play church and act movies to get men to church. No, get this thing. The famine is out there, but he says, but you'll be fully supplied. They are looking for corn, but you will not call for it. Why? Because it is present. You have my spirit. You have the word. I'm teaching you every other day. A time has come where you're going to meet an engineer. And while you're talking about engineering, they'll open their mouth and talk the person of Christ until you ask them, why aren't you a pastor? And they'll tell you, no, I don't need to be a pastor. He says, for in that day, all shall know the Lord. No man shall tell his brother to know the Lord. For from the least to the greatest, they shall all know the Lord. I don't need a pastor to know God. I don't need to be a pastor to know God. Tell anybody the feminine is here. And we are fully supplied. Now, we are what they are coming to. Give it a few days. Men have already started flying. They just come to hear the word of God and go back and say, we need this in our nation. And this is just the beginning. Men are going to fly from different nations and continents coming to you. Why? Because you have the corn and the bread. He said, I'm the bread of life. Anyone that eats of me shall not hunger and thirst. So there is no famine for us. So why did the famine hit the patriarchs? They had not received the fullness of the promise of the spirit, which is now resident in you. He used to come upon Abraham. He wasn't in Abraham. He used to come upon Isaac. He wasn't in Isaac. He used to come upon Jacob. He wasn't in Jacob. But now you, <laughs> the Holy Ghost is in you. So no fame. Listen. God has said this. Some of you think you had begun. You have not yet. Some of you think you have seen anything yet. But you have not seen nothing yet. For that doctor. Who may never stand on the pulpit like I. Know the word. It will bring a solution a certain way. For that administrator. It will bring a solution a certain way. For that business consultant. It will bring a solution a certain way. For that man doing agriculture, it will bring a solution a certain way. In every career you have, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a business person, whether you're a development student, I don't care who you are, in every profession you have, God is going to preach the gospel through you. And he, he will make you a source and solution for the hungry and thirsty. The days are here. Somebody raise your voice and just speak to God.
just speak to God. If this is your word, say, God, I'm the one. I'm ready. The corn is mine. Say, God, I'm ready to serve you. I'm ready for this, God. I'm available for this. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days. the mystery of your will. Listen, I feel God will make you great for the sake of the gospel. I see an anointing and power of God that is separating some people right now. I see the glory of God settling on people. I see people standing before, there are people here standing before stadiums preaching the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus. The lame are walking, the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing to the glory of God and the expansion of his kingdom. I see economies changed by somebody here. I see political systems change by somebody here. I see social systems change by a woman on this ground. Education institutions change by somebody here. I see laws change by an individual here. Receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Shirebrosa la 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 la
Say in the name of Jesus, I receive my pardon, Lord, in this great responsibility. God, I receive my pardon, Lord, in this great calling. Amen. Give the Lord a man of praise. Let me say something. The gifts of the Spirit, right? Create opportunity in the Spirit. The understanding of God creates spiritual authority in the Spirit. I see people here with an authority on your lips. That you will speak simple words and tumors will disappear. That you'll speak simple words and cancers will heal. That you'll speak simple words and economies will change. That your words will have such an authority in the spirit that they'll hear 15 minutes of your words and they will change the destinies of men. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, give the Lord a man and praise. If you've never given your life to Jesus, so if you're there and you want to receive Jesus, just repeat this word after me. Say, Father, God, thank you for giving me opportunity to come tonight. Your word says that with a heart a man believes and confession is made to salvation. My heart believes and confesses tonight that Jesus is the Son of God who gave his life for me and was raised for my glory. And from today, he's Lord and Savior of my life. I'm born again. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.